When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good afternoon and welcome, everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. It's great to be with you. Normally, it'd be a Redemption Thursday. I guess it could be a Redemption Thursday, given the stretch of basketball we're subject to these days. Tom Wayne, Director Matthew, I'm Jeff. Here you. Thanks for listening. Here we go. Here we go, everybody. Let's gather around the fireplace. Sorry, Roger Daltrey. Bring him down. Bring him down. Bring him down early. Here you go. There you go. Are you going to chuck that across the room? I'm pretty Did you break it? It sounds broken. No. All right. It's not broken. Uh, That's where we're at. Uh, Pretty soon... We'll need the beep beep. We'll need the beep beep. I got to get something for that. Yeah. I don't really have anything other than me going beep beep. Well, it was uh, more like a Tiger Woods originally in its infancy. Oh, it's so frustrating. Beep, beep. I like that right off the bat, uh, we have uh, somebody thanking us for our wagers. Um, yeah. I, I. You know what? Abdel, nicely done. Uh, Tom got you a victory. Um, and then also, uh, I, I told everybody that, uh, Maverick McNeely would be, uh, uh, a good, would have a good day. And, and he's birdied three of his first four holes. Yeah. So I have him thanks to you as a top five wager. That would be kind of like a, <laughs> a, a place wager. Now Abdel has the show wager top 10 finish. What are the odds there? Like plus 200. Cause I, it was uh, five to one to play mm. McNeely in a top five finish. I said, what the hell? Let's go for it. It's a weird story about him. This is this to tell you how disgusted we are with basketball. Tom and I are talking about Maverick McNeely to lead the show. Everybody, um, who does sound like a point guard. Yeah, yeah, in Boston. So yeah, that's right. So what I would what I would tell you is, uh, did the golf show last night with Florida State golf coach Trey Jones? There's a Florida State tie. See how I did that? Yeah. All right. We're off and rolling. Good man, Trey Jones. Anyhow, I. Um, we were talking about Maverick McNeely. How about this? Tell me how angry you'd be at your father. Or would you say, I understand, Pops? Probably be one of those things many years later that you'd have that conversation. But his home course is Pebble Beach. And his dad wouldn't let him play it. He didn't play it growing up. What? Wouldn't let him play it. It wasn't until he was much older and then had kind of earned it that he let him play it. Oh, God. It. Yeah. He's one of those? Yeah. But, but it worked out. It worked out. Um, so what age, though? Do we know? Is it like well, you know, 12 because now he can hit it long enough to not take to five it, hours? Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know the answer to that, uh, but I, I do know that like that was kind of the thing. Like, uh, you know, nope, we're not playing this here yet. You have to earn that. And There's something, too, cutting your teeth on, a, on an irons course first as yeah, a kid. Yeah, you know? It's like, yeah. hey, let's get the basics down. Anyhow, you know, it's a weird thing. Well, here's what happens with guys when it comes to their home course or any – 
local knowledge. You either play really well when it's tournament time on that course, or you play terribly because you feel this pressure to, you know, I've played this course a million times. I know all the secrets. I have to, and if you get through seven holes and you're even, you're like, what's going on? <laughs> you know, meanwhile, and so it's weird. You see it. It goes to extremes. That's true of home golf courses for teams. So if you're hosting a tournament, Trey will frequently talk about, you, you, you have a, you know, obviously you'd prefer that as opposed to, you know, trekking out onto the road and, and playing somebody else's home course. But with it is a set of pressures that doesn't ordinarily uh, coincide with playing golf. Yeah, so. for sure. But what it does is it gives you a high floor. And I know that's kind of backwards with the way golf scoring is. You, you almost want to call it a ceiling. But uh, it gives you where, you know, you could be playing awfully in your own mind. But if it's your home course, that's five or six shots better, at least for an am like me, than anywhere else. Like if I'm playing awful at a place I've never been before, mm-hmm. oh God, that's worth at least a two, three shots a nine. But if it's your home course, then you know to get around there even when you're playing poor. Yeah, yeah. You should you, you shouldn't throw up an eighty at, at, right. at any like point. Like your worst day, you know, if you're yeah, him, yeah, seventy four, yeah. whereas it might be seventy seven if you're playing somewhere else in a different part of the country. Uh a couple things that and it's always gonna be this way, uh, because of who you know the show and 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 our relation to Florida State and all of that other stuff, but to prominent stories in my inbox and on my Twitter feed this uh, the last twenty four hours, uh, which is uh, Jimbo's fiery, angry, I'm pissed off at the world speech. Um, oh man, seen that before? We have. We've watched him do that here. Um, here's the thing about the, the essence of what he's saying, at least in regards to reputable people taking stuff off of something called bro bible yeah i mean yeah that sucks shouldn't happen it's it's stupid it's on a side named bro bible with a guy named sliced bread that part made me laugh i wanted that bite just to have it we'll get it we'll get it well the reason i want it is isn't that quintessentially what the 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 modern soundbite should be when talking about media like it's not a, a famous columnist who's took taken issue with a local uh, you know, authoritative figure in politics, coaching, whatever. Right? It's instead, it's it's from a Sunday Bro Bible, and half slices over here saying things, and people are like, <laughs> you're like, of course, that's very modern. That that makes a lot of sense. Nobody putting their name on anything is perfect. So we're we gonna have to. Well, yes, that's uh, Joe Buck had a famous line about that. I won't reply. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. repeat that in a panel years ago. But that is a two and a half to three minute rant that we could decode in Tallahassee in a way specifically on this show than anybody else because he slips at one point at about the two minute mark. Maybe he's two and a half. I know where you're going. Let's see if we're on the same. Where point. he says he starts with mind your own business, but he stops. He goes mind your own. I mean, you know. And he goes and says yeah, something else. Oh, yeah. mind your own business is what you're trying to say, which is nothing to see here. It is going on. Which of is, course which it is. Which is code for, yeah, I would prefer the media not exist because it's getting in the way of me doing what I'd like to do. He's also saying it to the other coaches in his league. In our league. you got to be kidding me. Well, oh, now that part. You know part, the story? Now I know him. You want to do it? That part, do is, it. that part is correct. That part is correct. The, the part about other people being concerned about Texas A&M's level of NIL commitment, he's correct about that. That's hilarious. That's, yeah, what he should say is, you know, and he always has this little thesis statement that he doesn't believe is a thesis that should be. And it is, mind your own business, right? And how about, why is it when we do it, it's a problem? Right. There you go. That's all you need to say. Why is it when we do it? And now that it's legal, 
Why is it when we do it, it's a problem? Alabama gets $800,000 for its quarterback or a million dollars, and everybody says, oh, wow, how great. And Well, and that was the funny part was that he said it publicly at the time, meaning that's what Nick Saban said. I think he said a million dollars, didn't he, originally? Yeah, it, it depends on which outlet he spoke to. But, yes, he said both. He said different ones. 800000 a million dollars, and everybody says how great it is. And then it's us. Why is it a problem? But we're not doing it. You know, there is no $30 million. There's no $5 million. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, what it, the easy way around that is to – the lies of omission. Sure, those things weren't in place while you were recruiting the player. However, it was understood by the player that if you were to sign with Texas A&M, this sort of thing can be arranged. That's all that is. So that way you can plausibly say – no, the, he didn't get any money to sign here. No, not at all. Now, now the things that, that exist that do, and, you know, and the things that are, you yeah. know, that, but that's all legal. Right. Yeah, but here's the truth of it. Yeah. You, you signed four or five stars your first four years as the head coach at Texas A&M, yeah. and you signed seven this year. Oh, well, no, it, the, the truth of it is what he's being accused of. The truth of it is what they're being accused of. I just, Maybe not the particular number, but, again, this is where it sucks because – you know and I know that that even if he could have sat up there and said, "Yep, we did it." Correct. Thirty million next year to be forty. I'm gonna get all them sons of bitches, all of them, coming for your ass. He could have said he could have done that. It would have been right. funnier and better. He could have done it. And he's already an auctioneer with his voice speed. Right. Do I hear forty? Forty-five? Forty-five? Yeah, 50? yeah. All legal. He could have just said that repeatedly, and he would be right. This How about you? What, Dallas Mork News, 45? I see you out there. Put your paddle up. So what I think is that that's what's most disturbing is that he doesn't have to go in denial mode, and really Jimbo could be anybody. It could be anybody that has the backing of the university and the money, the coffers, to do that. It's what the college football fan is afraid of currently. It's that, and it's, it's specific, you know, how about this? Specifically, it's what the Florida State fan is afraid of, which is that we seek to be part of that upper echelon that plays for national titles because of the cachet built up of a 40-plus year run. So the stark reality of the changed landscape means that Florida State currently, as it sits in with confusion regarding Rising Spear, NIL, what we're capable of not, we now know we're on the outside looking in that you can't kick down that door currently. Like, you're not going to beat Alabama, Georgia, at this case Texas A&M, if they're committed in that way to not only having 50 analysts on staff that they're paying for, but also if they have in their resources to reach back and make sure they get that kid. You can't win that battle. You you don't you can't go dollar for dollar. And so when you hear it, you're like, okay, well this is we're running on a treadmill here. This sucks. We're we're headed nowhere. That's the hard part. So you feel like you're putting band aids on things, but it's a it's a gaping wound, and it's frustrating for. And it's not just Florida State. But we central theme on this show is often Florida State. We cover Florida State, but man, people outside of about uh, I wouldn't say a handful, but about ten schools. If, yeah. it, if, it, if, if it's time to go to war, they can't beat those schools. Okay, so for example, uh, my, my dad and mom, they did pretty good for themselves for a, a big part of their life. They currently live in a neighborhood in, in East Lake. Lansbrook is the name of it. On the golf course. It's of a nice neighborhood. It's, it's a nice, it's <laughs> yeah, a nice yeah. place. But within the Lansbrook huge neighborhood, it's big, 
is this sub-neighborhood called President's Landing. It's mm. where the late Roy Halliday used to live. And it's gated. So there's the nice neighborhood, and then there's the gated neighborhood within the mm. nice neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We are not in the gated neighborhood within the nice neighborhood. We are Florida State. We're on, we're on the golf course. We can see it from we where can we see sit. It. Yeah, and that's even worse. But we don't have the code. Yeah, That's where we are as a football program right now in terms of resources. I'd love to be in that neighborhood, and I'd love to brag about it. I'd love our coach to brag about it and say, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Either we create legislation or right, we just right. keep on going down this road. What's it going to be? And I- I'm for the legislation, but for right now, let's spend. How much can we spend next year? Let's raise some funds. I, I would fundraise for it, but we just don't We don't live there right now. No, and I think, though, if you're a fan of college football, this is, again, the conversation we had going all the way back to baseball, to Major League Baseball, where very politely the commissioner of Major League Baseball at the time had to explain to George Steinbrenner that the Yankees can't play the Yankees. I bring this up all the time. You know, because he was so pissed off about the fact that, hey, it's not my fault we're in the media capital of the world. It's not my fault we make more money because of that than any other franchise in the world. My job as an owner is to provide the best opportunity for my coaches and players to win as many games as we possibly can and bring home titles. That's why I bought the team. And so I am dedicated to doing just that. And now, and he felt at the time, because of luxury taxes and an increase in the percentages of those luxury taxes for every dollar spent above $200 million, he thought it was unfair, that they were unfairly and unduly punished. And, of course, you know, that was short-sighted because if Major League Baseball, which is a trust, which is a trust, became an, a situation where they won every year, people would stop watching Major League Baseball. Like, okay, well, well, this is, it's women's basketball. We do this all the time. Not enough competitive balance leads to boredom. College football has this problem to begin with, and it's been moving inexorably worse than it used to be, and it was always top-heavy. It's gotten worse. So the problem with that is that, again, if you're part of the haves, if you have all the money in the world and your administration is dedicated to doing it, great for you, but if the sport, begins to spiral and fewer and fewer people want to watch it and don't care, well, then to what end? Yeah, I felt that way a little bit about softball last year. You know, we get through Alabama, and then you get to Oklahoma, and it's like this coach who's all, you know, prim and and smug and, and, you know, grinding out every at-bat. And it's like, you have recruited nine of the top 12 players every single year Mm -hmm. to your particular institution. The fact that we're in it against you is a slight to your coaching ability. You should be train wrecking everybody the way UConn did, the way UCLA soccer did, women's soccer did forever in a day. Hopefully, you know, obviously for our program, because I love Lonnie and I love the softball program, you know, we can get over that hump. But that's what it starts to feel like at that point, is that you're going to have – it already is. I mean, it already is that kind of that way. You just have the carousel of four or five programs. That's it. Well, and, and so – this is where when you talk, Corey Clark brings up the greater good all the time, and this is we could, this is a metaphor for a lot of things. But the point is, when you when you're having that conversation, um, yeah, we would all love to be there. We want the ability to compete. I think that's really what it is that people just want the ability to have a chance to compete. I mean, at some point, it is diminishing returns. Your roster can only be so big, and with NIL, people can pony up to get a particular recruit. We just saw that, much to our chagrin, uh, if they want to. It may may open up the playing field in a weird way can be an argument made, right? Like, if Kansas really wants the top player, they, they want to give them $2 million, they'd probably get him. And does that overall impact their season? No. But does it change the reputation of who they are in recruiting? Sure. Yeah, but here's the thing. Like, So look at both playoff systems in football. Cincinnati made it in both playoffs. 
But the Bengals' experience is very, very different from the Bearcats' experience. Right, right, right. One has a shot, like a real chance. Yeah, sure. The other, well, you're the token fourth team, and that's what happens because the other teams lose. They lose too much, so they can't rightfully be in the group, although the one year they wedged Ohio State in there. But that's what the Washingtons, uh, Michigan State, you could say us based upon the way Oregon beat us, but it's not the same thing. But there's always that team where you're watching the semifinals, the college football player, if you're like, oh, geez. Oh, no. uh, yeah, and sometimes that team's Notre Dame. Correct. So, I mean, it's it's weird. Um, I'll just, again, listening to him go on that rant made me laugh because we know what's going on there. I also know what he's doing. If that's your guy, then you like it. You're like, yeah, good. Tell him to stick it. What's funny is he said people don't like it if we're coming up. We'll get used to it. Well, you went 8-4, and four, man. You went 8-4. and four. We're, You're coming up. Really? You haven't done a damn thing since you got there. Nothing. Not for what they're paying you. You've done nothing. So that's all encapsulating Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> it's like, man, I got it. Appreciate you going to war for us. That's awesome. You're going to give us the best chance to win. And maybe it pays off at A&M the way it did here. It better. Or you'll be the worst coach of all time. <laughs> yeah. No, really. I know. You can I make know. an argument. He's the worst coach of all time if he can't win. With that recruiting class, that is the highest rated ever. And they're going to have another one they're that's top three right behind it. Yeah, they're going to have another one. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Show good Thursday to each and every one of you. Knowles lost last night. I got to talk about it at some point, don't I? And it is, uh, you know, that's why we began the show where we did. There, yeah, there we did. That is such a character on the show now. It's annoying. I hate to do it. I can't, I can't introduce the character and then not have it, you know, when it's convenient or not convenient, I should say. It saves your voice, too, from the ding ding. <laughs> ding ding. Um, so we went to Clemson last night uh, for the first of two regular season meetings this year with Clemson, and uh, no, man, we've got another front court injury. It's a gutsy effort, depleted roster. It's a loss. So now you're just frustrated. Um, you know, you, you look. I don't know how many of you watched this game last night. Didn't feel like a lot. Didn't feel like it. You know, I get a sense sometimes when we're all locked in together, my Knowles. We're all ready to roll. We're all on the edge of our seat. Perhaps we have our tasty beverage and something nice to eat for the big matchup. I don't know that anybody even watching it was on the edge of their seat. Well, that's what I mean. I get a sense of when these things occur, there was a sense of nobody watching this game. It's like, man, maybe in passing while they were talking about their summer vacation plans. People added in the background. They were standing in the kitchen with their wife. Well, what, what about D.C.? Well, we went to D.C. six years ago, Mary. So it was sort of this, you know... 
Oh, it's tied. That kind of a deal. That sort of a deal. Well, so you're like me. Knowles and Knowles in the house, right? So my wife, Florida State graduate, there we are. We're sitting there talking. Just same thing. Your wife, Florida State graduate, 17 times over. So here we are. About to be 18, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, then that you turn and you're like, there are those moments where both of you are locked in to something of vital importance that Florida State's doing, and your shared love and passion for the university shines through as you both join hands and cheer the Knowles wildly. And then there's... We, we, let's, let's talk about some other things while we have some wine. <laughs> and the game is on back there. That's true. It's like... We've never had wine while we watch Florida State basketball. Because Florida State basketball doesn't play on... You just ordered a bunch of wine. Why not? Because... <laughs> Because they don't play on Fridays. Friday is vino night. Oh Jesus! Yeah, there's no. So there were rules against vino any other time of the week. Well, it's usually a dry household from Monday through Thursday. You know, we, we got work to do. Fair enough. But if you want a glass of wine on a Tuesday, I don't think that Friday's vino night should. Let me see. Which shoulder are you talking to me from? <laughs> yep, I see. <laughs> hey, hey, hon. I know it's not v- vino night, but I'm gonna get a little crazy and have a glass of red for dinner on a Tuesday. All right, so we're down twenty to twelve uh, in the first nine minutes of the game. There, you know, Clemson's hitting shots. Um, we did cut it twenty to nineteen at the under ten minute mark. Matthew Cleveland had a couple layups there. A little Harrison Prado, and uh, and then it's thirty all with four minutes to play in the half. And let me know, let me know that moment becomes from chit chatty in the kitchen to oh, we're tied. Okay, you start kind of getting invested a little bit. Maybe they, they reel you in. They win your heart. That's what it felt like. But we are not doing a good job at the end of halves. That is a problem. It's been a problem lately. And I don't know if that's because you're missing personnel and you're lacking depth and you're a little winded. Could very well be. But we allowed for a run late in the first half, closing minutes of the first half, to the tune of 15-6. to six. And that'll hurt your feelings, as I like to say, because you go from, I'm beginning to feel a measure of hope to, oh, well, that's a 15-6 to six run. Son of a! You know, you get mad. you got to go walk around. So we shot 48.3% for the first half. Nice. Couldn't hit the three. 27% from beyond the arc. They were 11-18 uh, inside the arc. That's good. Five of eight from the free throw line. Clemson... Shot it well, and everybody does these days against us. 17 of 28, that's 60% from the field. 5 of 10 from beyond the arc. They came into the game number two in the ACC in three-point field goal percentage behind only Virginia Tech, who now has a raging lead after having faced us and going 18 of 25. Um, they, were, they were winning on the glass. Uh, it, was, it was tough. It was tough. Second half, we're down 12, 55, 43. 15 minutes to play. And um, Harrison Prado, Raquan Evans, and Caleb Mills, here we go. Some threes. Let's go. And you're starting to believe it. But Prado blocked the Clemson shot. Anthony Plyke came up with the rebound. We're about the two-minute mark, right? Only have, uh, of course, uh, a bit of bad luck, a bit of bout of bad luck. Or a nice play by the Clemson player. I can't remember his name. I should look that up. Uh, he knocked the ball off of Plyke out of bounds. And then uh, the replay kind of. First they gave it to us, then they gave it back to Clemson. Were you watching then? Yeah. No, I, I, it's hard to it's hard to watch with the passion when you don't get stops. Even though sometimes you do, but when it's sixty percent for a half, and then 
Like if you look, we at didn't it, get a defense to stop for the remainder of the game after that point. Right. Well, and and that's the same thing in the first half. You don't get stops, and some of these are low percentage threes that they're taking from distance. But it reminds me of the discussion we have about Florida State football, which is nobody fears us anymore. So you see teams that play us boldly. Boldly, they do so. Whether it's in basketball terms, attacking the paint or shooting the three, they expect that it's going to go in. Whereas when we're operating the way we should be as a program, there's a ton of trepidation and fear even as they cross the timeline, and you can feel it. Mm-hmm. But right now there is no fear because the tape that they turn on as they scout for us says, all right, execute what we do, and we're going to be fine today, guys. One thing uh, that has nothing to do with anything, but I just wanted to point it out, um, and it sucks because he's on the other team, but I really love the name Naz Bohannon. I just thought I'd say that. That's a great name. And he had a great night. A lot of people do. He he ordinarily does not as he's a reserve, but Naz Bohannon uh, played very well. We scored a ton in the paint, but we can't get stops. That's the hard thing. Like in, in watching FSU basketball 12 years ago versus now, I think it's harder to watch, and you might disagree. I think you might. It's harder to watch a team that cannot get stops, and, we, and this happened to us five years ago uh, when we were trying to change in what we did as a program. Mm-hmm. It's harder to watch a team that can't get stops. It doesn't matter that we score going the other way because it's then exhausting. Then watch a team that then struggles score. That, yeah, that's twenty-two to twenty at the half. That's I, easier because you're within you're within reach at all times. It okay. feels hopeless when you cannot get stops. Well, I'm gonna. Uh, that's true of a team too in football. I, I've always argued that if you can't stop anybody, you can lose to anybody. Uh, the 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 problem with that is aesthetically, I disagree with you. I, I understand what you're saying. I'd rather be in the game than not. So 22 to 20, you're in the game. You get a chance to win it no matter yeah. how ugly it looks. Just I talking about it. hope as a fan. Like I, yeah. f- I feel more hopeless when I'm going, oh, my God. It's just, you know, yeah. if they want to drive, if they want to kick out, if they want to switch and then isolate, and then sometimes they'll shoot that 25-footer. You're like, oh, that's going to go into? Okay, so you just it feels hopeless. And basketball is a very emotional game to watch versus football. You have a chance to gather your emotions between plays and drives and quarters. Yeah, and um, – by the way, Naheem McLeod, uh, I, I don't know what happened there. Can, I, I've watched that replay a few times. What do you think happened? I don't see what, how he hurt himself. Um, I'm not trying to be a jerk. It's just like nothing was apparent to me on that. Um, it sucks because we were able to just, I mean, completely break them down around the basket all night. Drive and dish. Some of the plays didn't gom too. But, I mean, Cleveland got on a roll there at the end of the first half. There was a lot of stuff that we could do around the basket. It's just, again when you can't get stops and then you miss a couple of bunnies it feels hopeless well they're in deep trouble now i don't they're in they've got to be mentally crushed when you lose a player of that magnitude for that long and he was just coming along and you've already lost Malik Osborne and you know you've had the tonsillitis situation which right. is just unlucky well, yeah mills and evans had to press the play last yeah, night cuz they were i mean leonard yeah. said they were doubtful on monday yeah so you've got now now you're just out of people now you, now you don't have bodies. It's impossible to judge anything anymore. I mean, it's it's just frustrating. And they were growing. You know, it's hard to look at this team and see the same team that went on a six-game winning streak. It's it's They've fallen not just on hard times in, in the sense that they've lost some games, but they're they're losing their personnel. So They're losing to the bottom of the league. So Caleb like, Mills, yeah. No, it's, it's not like Clemson is run, in the running for the ACC regular season title either. 16 points for Caleb Mills. Um a rebound, two assists, three steals, block shot, 31 minutes. Uh, good for him. Played well. Raekwon Evans had 11 points. Good to see him back. Two of three from the free throw line. Assist, two steals, block shot. 
Butler had nine points, by the way, three boards, three three assists, a steal, block shot in 31 minutes. Um, he's going to have to do a lot more. I it will allow some of these other guys to grow. I mean, they're going to have to. The, the lion's share of what we're talking about from here on out is Mills, Butler. Probably in Gom, I guess. Uh, Matthew Cleveland, for sure. Fletcher's uh, a player who has to do more now. Had five points. I need you to be better. He's got to He's got to figure this out. He's got to be more consistent. Um, obviously, Wyatt Wilkes was once again missing. Worley is, is going to have to grow up in a hurry. It's a project, yeah. Yeah. He yeah. shouldn't be a project based on that who he was coming uh, in. I know. It's just what I find myself doing watching these games is bargaining. That's the process and the stage of grief I'm in. I'm like, well, you got to take it on the chin in order for next year. Maybe Malik comes back. It's hard you know, to do that. It is. It is hard. You know, to do that. Leonard was asked that question, and and he said he doesn't know what Malik's decision would be just yet about a potential return. He would be eligible to do so and come back and play for us next year. I think that would be a huge development. But I'm bargaining and saying, all right, so Butler's going to be all right if they can figure out Worley. Okay, Cleveland's probably gone, but if he isn't, that'd be good. I just work only on free throws the entire off season. That'd be good. Raekwon's gone. That's tough. Anthony Polite, that's going to be a tough loss. But okay, Leonard clearly understands the importance of NIL and also hitting the transfer Transfer portal to bring in veterans. Yes. Okay, so that's what I'm thinking as these games are happening. You're just doing this. You're asking this of yourself every every night. Well, think about it. We didn't have the lead. We never had the lead. I know. It's like not having the ball in football. It's like, what do you want to do? You know, you're pissed off at the offense. Well, we had the ball for one drive in the first quarter. You know, that's how frustrated I feel. It's like when you're down... 8-10 8-10 to 10 an entire game, and you're always chasing, and then you finally tie it, but you never cross the threshold and take the lead right. in any other basketball game. It's just an exhausting experience. It gets easier to watch now if you're going to because there you can't go into games expecting to win. And I, that's a weird thing to say because that's not been the case for a program that has finished in the top three each of these last four years, program that has won the conference. You know, you don't. It's 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 odd to have to adjust on a night in night out basis moving forward to the idea that it be foolhardy to expect a win as I sit down to watch the game, which sucks. I, I hate that, but and it's not even a defeatist thing. That's just more of being a realist. I mean, if you're a realist, we say this all the time: disappointment happens when expectations aren't met. Well, you're not lying to yourself and minimizing expectations because you don't want to be hurt. That's just cowardice. You're a realist when you say half our team is hurt and we're asking guys to play and and carry a bigger role than they would have ever been asked to do before at their age. Why should I expect them to win this game? I ought not. I ought not. Right. You're looking for signs of growth. That's all it is. Yeah. And that's hard because nobody wants to watch their team go through what, hey, listen, we're doing it with the football team. Nobody likes to sit around and watch their team have to go through the growing pains, especially... Now, Florida State has not been in a rebuild mode at all. Florida State basketball has just been right there as a preeminent program in the ACC and a Sweet 16 fixture, quite literally a fixture. And and now you know, boom, off it, the, the plane has hit the side of the mountain. Mm. It's not going to be anything close to uh, that. And it happens to everybody. It even happened to Kay last year. That Duke team was a travesty. Yeah. So, you know, you just next year, make sure it doesn't happen again, and these kids that are gaining the experience – 
Let's see the growth, the development as they go along. They're getting a first-class education this year. From what The thing that sucks about it, too, is it's a substandard ACC. Well, it's a bad ACC. If it was a good ACC and this is your record, you'd say, okay. Okay, hang Nothing in. is effed here, six, man. Six and five in the conference. <laughs> hanging on for dear Of course, line. when we're down, the conference and the way it's perceived is terrible and the way yeah. it, it's, it looks in the analytics department as well. Well, it works after last night. Miami lost to Notre Dame, by the way. A huge road win for Notre Dame. Beat the Canes 68-63. That's a three-way tie now for second place in the ACC between Miami, North Carolina, uh, and uh, and Notre Dame. And then Duke leads the way. They're in first place now in the conference. Uh, Wake built a 22-point halftime lead and uh, cruised past Pitt, by the way. I don't know if you watched that one. The reason I tell you that is because, of course, Wake's coming up. 97-75. That's problematic. It could be. Hey, uh, well, we can summon the ghosts at home. There you go. Hit some threes. And then you never know. Play from in front. Let's try and do that for a change. They're trying, Tommy. <laughs> They're trying, buddy. The ACC has five teams in contention for NCAA tournament bids, but um, it's going to be tough. Going to tough, tough to see them get five teams in. I think uh, Duke could. If you look at, I'm trying to check all these net rankings and see what it's going to take. If you go 15 and five in this league this year, that's probably about the worst you could do and get in. If you're if you're any worse than that, I don't. I'm yep. pretty sure you're not getting in. Well, here's what we're doing now. We're circling the wagons because the we're basketball. six and five in oh, the ACC. It doesn't matter, not one bit. We are circling the wagons for one magical week in Brooklyn. That's all it's about now. <laughs> Get hot in Brooklyn. Hey, we're capable of beating anybody on this list that's ahead of us in the ACC. Uh, we've proven it. Yeah, we have. We have proven it. We beat Miami twice and Duke. Uh, How about a Duke that doesn't thieves? care? Yeah, a Duke that doesn't care in Brooklyn. You know, you got to get over that Miami hurdle. What if the Platinum Bohica well, was no for Miami the right hurdle. to go to the dance? No Miami hurdle. We've won nine in a row. Nope. It would just be the opportunity. Well, this would be, as you said before, a very angry Miami team that ha- they, we have their full attention. And as currently comprised, we'd get smoked. But what if it was for the right to go to the NCAA tournament <laughs> in the championship game in dangle Brooklyn? The, dangle the carrot, buddy. For the Bohica and the dance. Oh. We could do the Bohica dance. Oh, I'd have to be in Brooklyn to present the Bohica. We, I, I would think Gene would fly you up. Okay, Gene. You heard our guy. That's if, it. I'm if flying we win the semifinals, to you have to you gotta book <laughs> take a it flight. on Miami. Next flight up. Uh, now imagine when they check my bag and I have the Platinum Bohica. Sir. You might want to check that bag and see I, if they. I just say, it. listen, there's yeah. nothing illegal about this. No carry on. Don't you judge me. <laughs> it's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. trying to think about how, how I present this part of a very serious topic while also finding the humor in one little sliver of it. Uh, a detail uh, of it, uh, because I could so picture it. So remember yesterday we were talking about the Brian Flores lawsuit, and we were kind of going through both the claims of discrimination and obviously sort of the sham interview, uh, the Rooney Rule stuff, the the idea that an owner in the National Football League uh, – Who's, who's accused now of being willing to pay a coach to purposely lose games, all that stuff. We were going through all of it. And this is a big deal, and it's going to continue to be the story that leads the day in the National Football League for the entirety of the offseason. Like, this is going to go on for a while. 
Uh, this isn't going anywhere. And in Super Bowl week, there is a commissioner's forum. Rogers, like you, you gotta son be, of yeah, him. he's got to be like, are you kidding me? Yeah, oh no, it's 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 a toughie. Now he may end up being able to dodge a lot of it, Tom, because he can just say it's a legal matter and I'm not allowed to talk about it. So that's how you get around all of that. But when you read the details of what's alleged and what is being uh, asserted here, um, all of them, you know, as you digest that and you kind of vet all that stuff. Oftentimes, as you read it, you can become incredibly disillusioned and sad. Other times, you can think, well, that's a weighty thing to say. How are they going to prove that? And then, and then uh, you know, around the next turn, you read the next page. You're like, oh, well, that's fascinating. And then the next thing you'd look at, you'd go, I can't believe he texted that. And then the next thing you'd, you know. So you're doing all of this. You, you go through this swing of emotions, anger and and sadness and everything in between. But there's one part of it where I couldn't stop laughing because I pictured it to be true. And if it's true, it is still sad. But this image struck me. that When Brian Flores talks about he thought it was a sham interview with the Broncos, and he, he said that they showed up an hour late, and John Elway was disheveled and drunk. <laughs> if you've seen the and way... And he admitted it, according to the thing. He said, like, I'm sorry, we're late. I had a few drinks last night. He looked like ass... <laughs> Yeah. He smelled of alcohol. He's disheveled. You can picture like his shirt is half tucked. There's like lipstick on his collar. His hair is every which way to Sunday. Yeah, it's not dry Monday through Thursday in his house. <laughs> well, and I was thinking about this when I read it. Like, I've to me, and this is probably uncouth of me, but uh, you know, it's been a tough go for John Elway post football. And what I mean by that is. His life hasn't suffered. He's got more money than he could ever spend. He's a DD in, in Denver. Um, but he looks like ass, and he looks worse every time I see him. Like, man, the days are not kind to John Elway. I mean, he is burning it at both ends. He has to be. Like, he's really been living up the fact that he won a couple Super Bowls in Denver and is considered one of the top five quarterbacks of all time. Because every time they would show when he was – you know, when he was still GM, when they would show and they'd pan to him, I'm like, oh, what's going on with John Elway? Well, there's an interesting subculture. It it makes its way up into the mountains in that area of the country. It's like we're forever young, you know? Like you see guys with frosted tips. Woody Page is a great example from the Denver Post. <laughs> Woody Page is like 65 <laughs> years old, frosted, frosted his tips. tips. <laughs> and when I was there, I visited a long time ago now, but I was 18, half so, a lifetime ago, and there was a ski instructor, it was in the summer, playing golf, he's like, hey, I've got a steakhouse, dude, Frosted Tips, wife who was like 35, I'm like, you're like, what, what? are you doing? P- middle age doesn't exist here, people just live their 20s and 30s their whole lives, so maybe frosted, John's one of those. Frosted Tips, can we, what in, I haven't seen, uh, friends uh, do not let friends do that. I haven't seen around the horn in ages, but I'm sure he still frosts his tips. I'm sure he does. It's <laughs> something about the Denver culture. Oh, you could use that phrase for any number of things. I bet he frosted the tips. So I bet he did. Um, but I would, I would just say that every, now it's it makes total sense to me because for the last umpteenth years, every time they cut to John Elway up in the in the box, I'm like, God, John. Get a hold of your cocaine addiction. I don't know that John Elway is addicted to cocaine. I'm just saying it looks an awful lot like John Elway has been addicted to cocaine 
and opiates and everything else under the sun. Like he, maybe he should be the general manager of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the, or the Vegas Raiders? Yes. Yeah. My man is struggling on the regular. So when I read the lawsuit and I listened to Brian, or I read Brian Flores' claims that Elway walked into the room I can't get it out of my mind. John Elway on a bender hasn't slept. It's two days. He's getting frantic calls from the other upper brass. We got to meet with Brian Flores in an hour. Where are you, John? And he's waking up next to a hooker like, oh, my God, I got to be sorry, sweet cheeks. I got to go meet with Brian Flores. And he jumps up and throws money down onto the hotel room bed and he's racing out the door. And he's hauling ass knowing that if he gets pulled over in Denver, there's no chance he goes to jail. Yeah, well, they keep calling him. He gets indignant after a while. We're hiring Fangio anyway. Just start without me. He pulls in. The car is parked sideways. It's not even in the spot. He's running (laughs) into the hotel. His shirt's untucked. Oh, hey, Brian, good to see you. John Elway. (laughs) His vanity plate says, this one for me. Yeah. This one for me. Yeah. So, Brian, we're so glad to have you here. Brian's oh, sitting there incredulous. Oh, we've got some evidence on the uh, director, Matthew, <laughs> stepping up. I'm telling you, look at that. I mean, John has some fun. You could probably find a hell of a lot more where that's coming from. Start searching the interwebs as we go to break. Make sure that's your laptop and not mine. I don't need that in my search history. <laughs> Jeff Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chat TV Don't talk much But you're such a good talker It's a good time of the year to get into the weeds if you'd like to in terms of the NFL and the future salary cap and which teams are in uh, dire straits and which ones are in a position to pounce and make moves Hey, good news for you Jacksonville Jaguar fans The answer is uh, Jacksonville They have uh, an opportunity here uh, to to really do some good things. I mean, obviously, consecutive number one picks in the draft is never a good feeling. But that said, uh, if you look at their current cap space at over $61 million, go get you some players. Let's go. Let's go. The Jets, by the way, have over fifty, uh, almost $51 million to spend. Uh, and then the Broncos, the aforementioned disheveled, Poorly run, very tired. John Elway, Broncos are uh, at uh, thirty-eight, almost thirty-nine million dollars to spend. So I'd want to go to if I'm a free agent, Denver first, then the Jets, and then any other team, and then the Jags, right? Because it's that's well. A mess. What are you? Are you a receiver? If you're a receiver, and you get a good coach in Jacksonville, and you have Trevor Lawrence, I don't know. Maybe maybe you look at it. Maybe. Again, no state tax. Get to live on the beach if you want to. Play sawgrass. Ah, now, what's the priority? Is it bags of cash or is it winning? Because if it's winning... Well, if it's winning, then we're looking at Denver. Yep. Also a nice place to live. Uh, Also, uh, you know, if you want to try and do something special and be something special, the Jets are... That's... With Wilson and what they got going on defensively, that's not a bad place to try and be on the ground floor. Yeah, and you know the truth of it is, we really struggle year to year. It's again why the NFL is king. The Bengals won four games last year. Four, they're in the Super Bowl. If you get the right guy, the worst organization can be quickly turned around at the most important position, obviously. So, 
you know, top five on this list with cap room is scary, by the way, because number five is the Chargers. And that's where I'm going. I'm moving to Los Angeles, and I, you can talk about traffic and taxes. I don't care. I love L.A., and if I'm getting paid millions of dollars, I'll make it work. But the other reason is Herbert's a freak. And if they get a modicum of performance from a defense that couldn't stop you and they get a little bit better up front, they, that team could be really good in a hurry. Yeah, they got to be drafting defensive interior and linebacker, right? That's like the number one and two things for them. Their run defense is that bad that it yeah. has to be like full stop. Not best player available for this team. You need run stoppers. Best available run stoppers. They can retain uh, Mike Williams uh, and also uh, Uchene, the the uh, the end, the defensive end. So they they they've got enough money to resign those guys. They're going to be good. They're on the verge of being good. They should be. Now we uh, we appreciate analytics on this program, but. Uh, your head coach is on the hot seat. When you have a quarterback that that's good, he's that good. Yeah, your hot seat uh, it's, it's grace period is short. Up. Yeah, it's fed very up. very short without question. Uh, something else to note here: the Texans have twenty point seven million dollars. No, that's it. Oh my god. Yeah, I guess the Watson contract once they trade it. Yeah, it's a problem trying to trade a guy who has twenty two active lawsuits filed against him. I mean, good luck with that. Hey, we've got Deshaun Watson. You don't say. Sounds like something the Raiders ownership group would be interested in. Yeah. Well, I think lots of people would be. I mean, I, I, I argued uh, that the Tampa Bay Bucks might be interested. Now, if Deshaun has a love of massage parlors, Tampa may not be the place. He's trying to get away from that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Our number two forthcoming. Stay with